Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. It's so easy for us to fall into a view of Jesus that is simple or routine. But Jesus came to radically change our perspective on what it means to truly live. We're in a series that takes a look at the statements that Jesus said about his mission for coming to earth. Our lives are different because of Jesus. I did an interesting uh, little bit. I did some research and came across an interesting couple of studies, a couple of different ones that had been done about people in the United States. I want to share with you just two numbers. The first number is this. At least 40% of people in the United States feel their lives, not just their jobs, their entire lives have no purpose. Four out of every 10 people you meet at the grocery store you work near, work with, live beside, go to lunch with, 40% of those people believe that life itself has no purpose. Now, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't surprised by that. Might have a little something to do with being a pastor for a long time. You hear a lot of stories and you meet a lot of people that are, are struggling sometimes to figure out what life is all about. So that, that number didn't surprise me. What did surprise me was that 40% of people don't feel like life has purpose, and yet 70% of them say that they believe in Jesus as their king. Disconnect. Because Jesus came to give us purpose. Jesus came because we all have purpose. I mean, you think about that. That should change everything, and that really is what this whole series is about. A, a few years ago, I was doing my personal Bible study. I'm just reading the Bible, and I came across one of those statements. Jesus made this a bunch of times, and it was one of those, I came to do this kind of statements. And I thought, huh, I've never noticed that one before. If I'd asked you guys out in the hallway, what do you think Jesus came to do? We'd get a lot of answers. Somebody'd say, well, he came to save us from our sins. Somebody else say he came to build the church. Somebody say he came, whatever, you know. And so what I felt God told me to do at that moment was to start writing down, because it was the beginning of, of a year going through the Bible, so I was going to hopefully catch every one of them, is to start writing down every time Jesus said, I came to do this. And so I ended up with an entire list of sticky notes in the back of my Bible with every time that Jesus said, I came to do something. And then after I finished that list, about a year later, God said, I want you to preach it. I want you to talk about what should be different in this world because of Jesus. And that's what this series is all about, is because of Jesus, our world should be different. Our lives should be different. Everything should be different. And so as we're going into the fall and people are getting back to school and everything, I, I wanted also for you to have an opportunity to, to reach out to people you know that, that might need a church or they might need a, a connection with God or, or just wherever they are, because here's the deal. Everybody likes Jesus. Everybody, even people who don't believe he was the son of God, still like Jesus. They like what he taught. People who don't go to church and don't like church still like Jesus. So this is a great opportunity for you to invite that person you've been praying for. But also, I think this is going to be a powerful series for you and me. We're going to take today and seven, seven South Carolina education. Sorry about that. Seven more, seven more Sundays, and we're going to talk about what should be different because of Jesus. And so today we're starting with we have purpose. 
Because of Jesus, we have purpose. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 4. If not, it's going to be on the screen right here beside me. And we're going to start in verse 31 in a story, but I'm going to set the stage for you. How many of you hate to just, somebody starts reading the Bible to you and you don't have a clue what's going on, right? Come on, somebody. So I'm going to tell you what's going on. Here we are. We're, we're in a little town called Capernaum, and uh, this is Jesus' home base. It's a beautiful little town right by the Sea of Galilee. The breeze is blowing. I mean, it's always hot when you're over there. It is the Middle East, and, and, but this breeze is blowing. It's just awesome. Yeah, stop and think about this. I mean, what, you would expect Jesus to have beachfront property if he were going to live. You know, I mean, come on. God's coming to earth. He's going to have beachfront property. Y'all didn't. But he did. This was his home base. It's where he always ministered out of. And so he comes to this town. He goes and he preaches in the synagogue. A dude with a demon stands up and starts shouting at him. I would appreciate if you guys didn't do that this morning. Stay seated. And, and so this dude starts shouting, and so he cast out a demon, and everybody, it's just a crazy little story. So that's where we are. That's the story that we are about to look at right here. And so he says, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us? Jesus. I can't do that. <laughs> I was trying to do a demon voice. That sounded a little more like a Muppet with a cold, didn't it? <laughs> what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And they were all amazed and said to one another, Whoa, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. We're going to skip a little bit if you're reading in your Bible, because then he goes to a, one of his disciples' house, a guy named Simon, and, and the mother-in-law is sick, and he prays for the mother-in-law. And so then that story goes everywhere, and now he's twice as famous. And so jump back in at verse 40. It says, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, they brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. They knew who he was. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and they came to him and they would have kept him from leaving them. And here's the important part. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. I was sent for this purpose. Do you know what it means to know your purpose? It means you know your why. You know why God made you. You know why you are here. You know why you do what you do. And this is cool too. It means you know why you don't do what you don't do. You know your why. And when you know your why, everything is determined for you. Look at what we just saw happen in the story of Jesus. When you know your why, the questions are taken away. It answered all of his career questions. He knew that the Father had sent him to preach the good news of the kingdom, to drive out demons, to heal the sick. He said, that's what I came to do. So he didn't run for mayor. I mean, think about it. He's a pretty popular guy. People were chasing him. He would have won mayor of any city. He could have done anything. But no, no, no. I know what I'm called to do, so that's what I'm going to do. If you know your why, then you, you know your, your, your answer for marriage. When I do premarital counseling, one of the first things I do, I sit down with a couple and say, one of the things we're going to do in these weeks is to decide whether or not you should get married. 
You should see the look on their face like, excuse me, you're just a pastor. You are not a matchmaker and you don't have any right to tell me that I cannot marry this person. No, no, no. This is not about finding out if you're compatible. Of course you're compatible. You're sitting beside each other in my office. All right, well, we got that far. No, this is about you have a why for your life that's taking you there. And if you have a why for your life taking you there, y'all shouldn't do life together. So we're going to spend a few weeks figuring out if your whys line up if they go together. You see, if you know your why, everything is answered for you. If you know your why, literally the next moment of your life is answered for you. I mean, did, did you catch what Jesus did in the story? It's like, gets up one morning. You know, sometimes you get up and go, I don't know what I'm doing today. I don't know what the point for today is. Jesus got up and knew, today I have to do this because it's what I was sent to do. I am leaving you people because I've got to go to those people. I mean, he literally stood up and said, I- I've already preached to all of you, so I'm not going to preach to you again. I promise not to say that to y'all next week, though. I'm going to be back next week. But Jesus like, I've already preached to you. Did you hear it? He healed every one of them. Everyone. I've got to go. nobody's sick here. I've already healed you. I've already preached to you. You've already heard it. I've got to go to these people. So you know what I know? I'm going to wake up today and say goodbye. And I'm going to start walking. That's what I know. When I know my why, I know everything. But if he didn't know that God had sent him to preach to every town, if he didn't know that he had to reach an entire region in three short years, he might have been like, Capernaum's pretty cool. It's right by the sea. Get me a little rowboat, go catch some fish. I can hang out here for a week. America's going to call it vacation someday. He could have done that, but no, because he knows his why. He knows everything. Now, that's the good news. Y'all want the bad news? That was not a very good. Actually, that's probably a very good answer. No, pastor, I really don't. Stick with the good stuff. Here's the bad news. There will always be threats against living God's purpose for your life. If you say, I want to do the why that God created me for, there will be threats to it every single time. And you know what? We're going to look at the three threats Jesus faced. I think they're pretty much the three threats we'll always face. You may come up with an extra one. I I think pretty much everything can be wrapped up into these three things. After all, it's the ones that Jesus faced. Why should we be surprised? The first threat that you're going to have to doing what God has called you to do with your life is demonic attack. Now, you may not have noticed that in the story, but it actually happened twice in that one story. He tried to preach, and somebody tried to stand up and say, you're the son of God, shut up. And somebody else, you're the son of God, shut up. Be silent. And he cast him out. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible and wondered, wait a minute, Jesus, you're the son of God. Why did you keep telling demons to not say that? Like, isn't that what you came to do? Eventually, but not yet. See, here's what you got to realize. Jesus knows. He's got about three years. I'm pretty sure he knew exactly what he had. You know, kind of being God has a little something to do with that. I think he knew what he was doing. And he had a plan. And here was his plan. To do what the Father sent him to do. That means to preach the good news of the kingdom. To bring heaven to earth. To bring the kingdom of God. To heal people. To cast out demons. To make everybody go, we want this. We want the kingdom of God. We want the Father. We want what you are bringing to earth. But they wouldn't do that if on day one, somebody shouted, hey, it's the son of God. And everybody turns, are you the son of God? Because if he says, yes, he's a lunatic. No one will ever listen to him again. He stands up in the synagogue. The security team will take him out. He'll never get another chance. Nobody will say, can you pray for me? Why would you ask a lunatic who thinks he's God to pray for you? So Jesus knew there's going to be a day. There's going to be a time when people are going to say, are you the son of God? 
It's as you say. But when that day comes, the end is near. And so he had to tell them, don't mess up what I'm doing. You keep your mouth shut. This is not the time. I've got a plan. Your plan is not my plan. Be quiet. You see, when you decide to do what God has for you, the enemy will hate you. That, that will never change. The enemy hates you doing what God wants you doing. Did y'all get that? The enemy hates you doing what God wants you doing. Twice we see the demons try to destroy Jesus' plan and his entire ministry just in that one story. The second threat that you're going to face will be people's demands. Did you get that part where it said the people sought him, they came to him, and they would have kept him from leaving because it was all about them. Look, I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you've never figured this out, I'm sure you figured it out, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. The majority of people in your life, not everybody, because I hope that you have some really good godly friends. I hope you have godly parents and, and, and so forth. I hope you have a godly spouse. So not everybody, but many, many people in your life, they don't care what God wants for you. They care what they can get from you. It's just the truth. I'm just telling you. I don't think many bosses wake up, God, what do you want for my employees today? Hey, uh, Bob, I was just praying for you, and I believe God wants you to just rest, deal with some stress. You just take the day off. I'm going to pay you anyway. <laughs> Anybody got that phone call? Yeah, I didn't think so. No, they wake up thinking, well, here's what I need them to do. I mean, even as a father, I would love to tell you that I wake up every day and say, God, what do you want for my kids? And I do that sometimes when the house is clean. Because I get up before the kids, and there are those other days. I wake up, and I'm not saying, God, what do you want for my kids? I'm saying, I want my kids to get up and clean this house. That's, I want something from them. I ain't worried about what God wants. They, they may not, they're going to see God soon. They keep leaving the house like this. <laughs> people don't really care. Some people do. And so what will happen is people will place demands on you that's really just about what they need from you, what you can offer, what you can do. Now, here's the truth. Some of us in this room, a lot of us in this room, this is what gets us off of the path of what God has for us because, don't raise your hand, we're people pleasers. There are a lot of people that we just don't like when people are upset with us. We want people to be happy with us. We don't know how to use the word no. Can you do this? Yes, of course. Can you do that? Oh, absolutely. Would you like to do Sure, I can do that for you. We don't know how to say no, so we are so busy trying to make everybody else happy, we have no clue what God wants for us. You, you, you can't make people happy at the exact same time you make God happy. Not all of them. You, you, some, but not all, because, well, people have their own agendas, and it will take us off course. The third one, earthly success. Did you hear where the people were all amazed and reports about him went into every region? And what happens is if you're good at something, it'll create a counterfeit opportunity for you that will look good in the moment, but it will take you out potentially of what God has for you. I'm going to tell you the truth. At every point in my life that I did anything well, which wasn't every day, but if there was ever a day I did something well, a counterfeit opportunity came up. I knew at 16 years old, I was called to do what I'm doing this very moment. 16 years old. I knew it. 
this is what I'm going to do. This is what God created me to do. I like to talk. It works good. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is what God created me to do. Well, here's the problem. When I was in high school, my, my, I got a job with my dad one summer. It was my final year after my senior year going into college. And I'm going I'm to tell my age, but some of you are going to be with me on this. The minimum wage was $3.25. Come on, who remembers working for $3.25 an hour? All right, there you go. All right. I was making three times that because I was working, doing some grunt work at my dad's uh, company, his, what, what all the stuff they did there. And although I wasn't very high on the ladder, I, I was still making a lot of money. And you know, if you are leaving high school and you're 18 and you're making three times what every other one of your friends is making, you might question whether or not you should go to college. And they came to me and said, hey, Jimmy, you've worked really hard and you've been a good worker this summer. We'll hire you full time if you'll, you'll just agree to stay. I mean, after all, this was a good job for your dad. Your dad's been doing this his whole life. You can, you can work your way up too. See, just because I had worked hard at a very menial task, a very mundane job, it didn't require me to be good. I just literally had to do the same thing a thousand times in a row. You know what I'm saying? And just because I could do that and show up at work on time, because I rode with my dad, <laughs> I got a job offer. I said no, because I knew why. I knew my why. So I go off to college, and I'm working in what, it's like a Walgreens, but it was one of the ones that's out of business now. I think Walgreens actually bought them. And, and my manager said, you're a hard worker. You know, when I was in, in college, I figured out I could make more money as a manager, and I dropped out, and I'm doing great. You could go into management right now. You should not go. You're, you're in school to study music, dude. Don't you know those people are poor and unemployed? I mean, you're going to finish and get a music degree and be making as less than you make now. I thought, he's got a point. But, but I said no, because I knew my why, and I stayed in school. And, and so then when I was finishing school, God had really started to ignite the why. And I decided after finishing my bachelor's degree, I was supposed to go on uh, and, and do my master's degree in, in concert pianist. I was a pianist winning some awards and all this kind of stuff. And I said, no, God's told me to go to Romania, where ultimately I met my wife and have kids and, and everything. I mean, my whole life was that moment. But they, they said, wait a minute, you're you're a good concert pianist. You're our highest scholarship holder. You, and I got called into the dean's office to talk about the opportunity that was in front of me to go to grad school instead of just wandering off to some third world country and, and try to talk about Jesus. And every time you do anything well, if, you, if you've ever done anything well, come on, somebody, you've done something well, an opportunity comes up that will very likely try to get you to go do something other than the very thing that God has for you. The question for some of us this morning is, have you left what God had for you because an opportunity looked good? And now, well, you feel purposeless. Don't raise your hands for that one. But I think that there's quite a few people in the room today that are saying, yeah, what do I do about that? I'll make it real simple. It's not too late. It is not too late for a career change. It is not too late for a belief change. It is not too late to start loving a spouse. I've got a lot of friends I know, several friends. I've got a family in this, in this room right now. He's married to his first wife for the second time. You see, God can do all kinds of things when you say, I am going to get back on the path God has for me. That's all you got to do. You just make a decision right now. I am going to go back to what God spoke to me then. Because here's the truth, because Jesus came, because of Jesus, we have purpose. 
That's, that's what we're talking about today. Every single one of us, you, me, we have purpose because of Jesus. You have a very individual purpose, a very specific why for your life. So here's a question for you. How many people want to live the why that God has for you? Okay, that was not as many hands as I expected. So some of you are either not paying attention or simply are good with life. Just kidding. Here's the thing. If we're going to do this, our lives have to be built on two truths. Two truths. And when I say this, I don't mean two beliefs. Because what I'm about to tell you, the two truths that your life has to be built on, they've got to be here, not here. You see, if you've just got a belief in something, when those beliefs come or those ideas come or, or those theories, uh, when, when the demonic attack comes and, and people's demands come and, and success comes and, and something looks good, you'll be able to rationalize it away. If you think it up here, it won't be enough when an opportunity comes. I cannot tell you the number of people that have said the exact same sentence to me over and over and over. Yeah, I know. I'm, listen, I'm just going to go do this for a little bit. I'm going to make enough money, pay off my house, set up my family, and I'm going to come back to what God's got for me. I can't tell you. I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that sentence. I mean, seriously. It, 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 if you can rationalize it, you'll rationalize it away. So what I'm about to tell you, I'm telling you two truths that have to be truths in here that cannot be moved if you want to live your why. First one is this. We, live, we have a life on earth designed by God himself. You have a life on earth designed by God himself for a special purpose with specific talents. You know how I know that? Because that's what God says about you comes out of Ephesians, look at this, it says, for we are his workmanship. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It, it, workmanship. This is not the idea of an assembly line. We, I don't know what is in your head. Everybody's got a different idea of how we come. You know, if you ever watched Boss Baby, it's just like spitting humans out. Blop, and blop, and blop. Anybody seen Boss Baby? You know, there's humans coming down the little slide. There you go. Another human. Another human. Another human. I mean, and you get the idea, you know, there's just, God just goes, I create humanity. And then, you know, there's just like tens of billions of people and, oh, no, not all at once. Wait, wait, wait. Not all at once. You now. You now. You got two millennia, buddy. Just get to the back of the line. <laughs> I mean, what's actually in our head? We have this assembly line sort of idea. But this, we're as workmanship. Here's the idea is, is somebody in their garage crafting one thing out of wood. And when they're done with that, they'll pick up a different piece of wood and craft something completely different. It's workmanship. It's not a product. You see, God did not just make humanity. He made Mike. He said, I'm going to make Mike. And Mike is going to be really cool because he's going to look Mexican. I'm going to send him to Mexico as a missionary. And he can't speak a lick of Spanish. It's going to be the funniest thing in heaven. That's a true story. And I'm going to, true story. And I'm going to, I'm going to make Kent. And, and Kent, he's going to have this passion to sing. And he's going to have a voice to sing. And, and then, you know, I mean, he just keeps going and goes on around. And I'm, I'm going to make Mike and... and Oh, too much. Anyway, there you go. You see, he was making you. God didn't make humanity. He made you. He made you. Are you getting this? 
And some of us, we have this idea, if we don't have the boss baby idea of humanity just being mass produced, then we have the idea that we are biological accidents. And if, if that's all there is to it, then, well, no wonder we think life is purposeless. The only way life is going to be meaningful is when we understand what God put us here to do because God, when he made you, said, I am making you to be you and only you can be you. You can do you better than anybody else. Stop comparing yourself to the person sitting beside you that makes more or has a vacation home or, or has a better job or has kids who actually obey. You know, there's a way to do that, by the way. I mean, they're not magical. Actually, I, heard, I was at a conference this weekend and I heard a, the smartest thing that I ever heard. This guy said, look, we, we compare ourselves, right? We compare ourselves. He said, if you want to compare yourself, compare yourself to yourself. Compare yourself to where you were yesterday and look at what Jesus has done in your life. And that's all you need to compare. That's a good statement. Instead of worrying about what somebody else is doing. Because you just need to be you. You can do you like nobody else. And can, while I'm on the subject and ranting and just having fun, can I, can I speak to this point? Some of us, the enemy really, he has fun with us. We are depressed over our failures. We, we mess something up and we get so down that we never get up again. And, and you don't have, he won't have to worry about you and me doing what God created us to do because we're too busy just moping about what we failed at. Look here, let me tell you something about understanding your why. I'm 5'5", five five, and I shoot about 30% from the free throw line with nobody blocking me. <laughs> so I went to music school. Don't let your failures depress you. Let your failures guide you. If you have failed at something, don't let the devil get you down. Just be glad you figured out what you're not supposed to do. Check that one off. Let's try again, because I've got a purpose. Instead of, oh, woe is me, I don't know what my purpose is. I failed miserably at starting a business. I don't know, maybe you're not supposed to start a business. Don't let the devil drag you down. You are uniquely created by God to do you. See, we love to quote this Bible verse. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going just to share this thought with you. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you know where I'm going to go already. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope, plans for good. And we're always, when we're in a bad place, we're going, God, I know you have good for me, welfare for me, not evil for me. But we miss out on the front part of that, which is, I know the plans I have for you. I know, I made you. I made you to be you. I know what you're supposed to do. So would you ask, just ask. Now, I'm also going to tell you, look, I've been a youth pastor for a long time, and the number one question of teenagers is, what am I supposed to do with my life? Where am I supposed to go to school? What am I supposed to study? I don't know what I'm, I, I don't know. Look, it's not that hard. Following God is not rocket science. Anything that is in you that is not corrupt is from Him. I, I, people will come to me and say, hey, you know what I'm going to study? You know what I'm going to do for a living? And when they tell me, I do my best to keep a smile and, and fake it, because I'm really thinking in my head, why would anybody want to do that? They would, because that's what God made them to do. Just like I love what I'm doing. I love talking 
To a crowd, I love talking to crowds. Make the room bigger. I'll talk longer. Literally, there was too much room between the spaces, and I went up to somebody and said, did I, did I not talk long enough in the first service? I can add. No, 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 no Pastor. That was just good. Don't, don't add any more to that. But some of you, if God said, I want you to stand in front of hundreds of people, you would go, you'd be on your fetal position back there behind the stage, curled up. No, God, please, no, baby. Whatever God put in here, if it's not corrupt, go do it. Just go do it. You were created not to go and figure out how to become. No, you already are. All we got to do is start living it. Second truth is eternal purpose overrules earthly desires. See, if this is right here and you know your why, you don't lose sight of it. You can't lose sight of it because that is more important than this. Tomorrow is more important than today. I want to share with you what Jesus said, because this is really our model at this point. This is not going on the screen either. It was the last week of his life, and he knew that. He was going into Jerusalem, and he knew he was, well, going to die. And so he knew what he was about to face, and he's actually standing in front of a crowd, and he begins to pray and talk to the Father, and then the Father speaks back. But anyway, all this is, here's what he said. He said, now... My soul is troubled. You see, because he knew what was coming. He knew that Jesus being fully God and fully man, he knew the man part of him was about to endure the greatest and worst pain that, that the human race has ever come up with. The most horrific way to kill a person he was about to endure. His physical body was going to experience that pain, and he knew it. He knew it was coming. He also knew that everybody who was by his side was going to turn their backs and leave him abandoned. He knew that he was going to look out and see his mother in tears as he hung on the cross. But none of that dares to compare to. He knew that he would feel the Father in heaven turn his back when he took the sins of the world on him. Because it just had to be done. You see, our sin breaks fellowship with God. And for that moment, it did it for Jesus. And he knew that was coming. And at this point, he's saying, oh, man, my soul, my soul is troubled. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No! Because this is why I came. See, that'll change everything. Maybe that sentence should actually say eternal purpose overrules earthly struggles. Maybe earthly suffering. You see, when you know the very reason you came ultimately is to die for every one of us, then you're not going to ask God to get you out of it, no matter how bad it hurts. Now, I'm, I'll be the one to confess. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to tell you, I pray prayers all the time that Jesus would have never prayed. Never. And I said, God, get me out of this. God, why do I have to go through this? God, can you just heal me? Because I don't want to get up and ask you to heal me every day for the next three years before you do a miracle. I just, I don't want to do it. No, right now, heal me, make it easy. Make my life easy. God, take away this financial suffering so I don't have to learn my lesson or get some wisdom or, or no, no, I just want you to take away the problems and just make my life great. But as 
most of you have already figured out. The greatest ministry you have to other people, when you talk to somebody about what God has done, it is how he has met you in your worst times. But we pray God would just keep them away. Just keep it away. Come on, God. No, 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 no. We pray what Jesus would never have prayed. God, make my life easy. Take this away. You see, when we know our why, we endure hardship on earth for the crown in heaven. We will. Honestly, some of us have become distracted. Some of us have lost our way. For some of us, we, we had that opportunity. Success came or, or someone in our life made a demand or whatever it was. And we found ourselves just a few steps off the path of fulfillment and purpose and passion. Victor Frankel, many of you will know the name. He's probably uh, top five of the most famous Holocaust survivors, maybe top two of all the people that ever survived. And he wrote a book on his experience after, as soon as it was, he sat down pretty quickly to sit down and find what had happened. And, and he talks about the reason that he survived and everybody else around him died. And his reason was one thing. He said, I had purpose. I woke up every day with something to live for. He said, really? You were in a concentration camp for years. Some of the worst things that has happened to humanity in modern history. And you went through that and you're telling me you survived because you had purpose? Yep, here's what he says. Life is never made unbearable by circumstances. But only by lack of meaning and purpose. <laughs> I know you and I, we could whine a little bit. We've never faced those kind of circumstances. Here is a man in a concentration camp saying life is never made unbearable by what is going on around me. See, because of Jesus, we have purpose. The only question is whether or not you want to live yours. I'm going to close today by, well, I got to tell you something that's very, very important. You can never live God's purpose for you apart from him. It's just the truth. That scripture said it. If you like that part, God created you, you were his workmanship, and you want to go, yes, then you had to finish it. Created for good works in Christ Jesus, not away from Christ Jesus. So here's the good news. Jesus voluntarily died on the cross. He said, nobody takes my life, I lay it down for you. For you. To remove the obstacle of sin, the separation. He paid that penalty. And all we have to do, but we have to do, is every single one of us at some point in history, time condenses, and we look Jesus in the face as he's hanging on the cross, and we say, thank you that you died for me. And now I'm going to live for you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that here this morning, but I'm not going to ask you to come down front or do anything. But right where you're seated, I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to help you begin a conversation with him. Would you all join me? Pray. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I do want to live for you.
I thank you that you paid a penalty I could never have paid. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.